Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to South Central Los Angeles. Oh, what? South Central Crenshaw. What? This week we are doing my pick, Boys in the Hood. Yes. It is the dramatic story of life in a South Central Los Angeles neighborhood following the attempts of Trey to build a better life for himself. Boys in the Hood reveals a world in which a trip to the store can end in death. Man, how many times have we heard that? Too many. Too many. And this was in 1991, correct? Yes. It was released in Los Angeles July 2nd, 1991, and it was released wide in the rest of the United States July 12th, 1991. So that's 30 years ago. Yes, we were in Germany. So this was my question. Did we see this in Germany? Because a few months before this, New Jack City came out. And I do remember being in Germany hearing about New Jack City because like the soundtrack and that was like a big movie. But I remember when Boys in the Hood came out, but I don't remember if we did we go see it in Germany? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't remember seeing it as a family. Oh, okay. Because I, I remember seeing it. So I had to have seen it a couple of years after it came out because I did know Angela Bassett. And this was Angela Bassett's first big film role. Okay. So I must have seen it then in like 1994 or something after... I had seen Angela Bassett Mm -hmm. in something else. Okay. What's the first thing you remember Angela Bassett in? There was so much at that time. I remember her in... um, Like, What's Love Got to Do With It? But I think I had already seen her... Waiting to Exhale. I feel like that was after What's Love Got to Do With It. But... Okay. Because I was looking, I wanted to look up when Rodney King happened. Rodney King happened on March 3rd, 1991. That was when Rodney King was beaten. Yeah. So this was like all around that time. And 30 years later, we're still dealing with this. Yeah, because, I mean, America doesn't... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the people in charge of America don't like talking about things that make them uncomfortable. They've never have. <laughs> and that's just, that's how it is. And you see it over and over again. That's one of the funniest cultural differences. Is just we just won't we just won't talk about it. how we many movies how many movies with Kate Winslet has there been just we we will not discuss this such thing. We, we won't speak of it. You know. Very, uh, that, that's, that's, it's very British, European, German, all the Europeans. Yeah. Like, watch The Crown. 
They got a lot of stuff going on. Not discussing any of it. Not talking about that. Oh, but now, now that they got some color up in the family. Oh, now we're having, now we're having discussions. <laughs> How dare they leave? Discussions what? will be had. Excuse me. Oh. How long? Okay, let me look up Angela Bassett because I was thinking about this because I I was like, well, when did I see this movie? Because I saw it. I, I just didn't see it when it came out, but I did see it after. Like, no. You seen it before. No, but I saw it when, like, Ice Cube wasn't like, are we there yet, Ice Cube? Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. like I oh, saw, yeah. I saw this movie before he did Friday. I saw this movie when, like, he was menace. I remember. Okay, these are things that I remember from this movie. Before we get into the particulars, I remember that like Ice Cube was like a badass and like dangerous. Yes, and I remember um, the balls that Lawrence Fishburne's character. Right. Would would do. And I remember Angela Bassett was in it, but not as much as I wanted her to be in it. Right. I remembered that the girl from 227 showed up and was very foul mouthed. <laughs> and so this was but this was before it was like, that is the queen, Regina King. And I remember like crying so much at the end. Of being like, ta- like watching it again, I was like, "How do you not see this coming?" But but being like a little kid, like yeah. you know, twelve or thirteen, and just being like devastated. So at this point, I'm going to say this is one of I believe. We'll see how you feel of the Gone with the Bushes, where you should go watch this movie if you haven't seen it. Oh yeah, yeah. With the with keeping in mind. 30 years later, it's still going on. Yeah, rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. You know? Uh, He was from South Central. Rapper. Wanting to do exactly what Lawrence Fishburne's character, Furious, was talking about. About the gentrification. He, in his community, you can look it up. He was a rapper. And he was buying and putting money back in his community. Keep it owned. And to, to ward off gentrification, got into an altercation and ended up dead. Yeah. And that was last year. Okay. So, it, yeah. Yes. And, and I picked it because tonight are the Oscars. And this was, uh, John Singletary was... John Singleton. Um, See? See? That's the white in me. Um, (laughs) Was nominated as uh, a black director, and we don't have anybody not... We have one person of color in the major categories tonight. One person of color. And it's not because, oh, well, the, the performances or the directorials weren't up to snuff to be able to be not... No! No. It's just underrepresentation. It's underrepresentation, and it also has to do a lot with the voting, who votes, and how you don't have to prove that you see all the movies. 
so it's a lot of like well this movie isn't for me it's a lot of i don't have time to watch this movie i hear that i hear everybody says that this is great i'll see it it was great i'll vote for this consensus building Mm -hmm. you know also like the opportunities and stuff also a lot of people being like how many people of your friends do you think have seen boys in the hood of being like this isn't for me that would be a goose egg because it's uncomfortable i don't i know that there, there's problems i don't want to look at them i'd rather hide under a bushel basket but you put this is the same kind of movie that um i mean it's a little bit dated but remember when we did rebel without a cause mm-hmm. it's young people mm-hmm. in the world that they're dealing with this mm-hmm. could very easily be uh, a story that, you know, Paul put Paul Newman instead of Trey. And he, he's in a similar area mm-hmm. of, you know, if you flip it then, it, then it's like, oh, my gosh, the brilliance. But it's just because people look at color and be like, oh, that's not about me. It's not a story that's universal. It's not my story. It's not yeah. my story. But it is a very interesting story. And so we, we have a lot to get to. Real quickly, though. So she did, she was, she was a stewardess in Kindergarten Cop. Then she, she did Boys in the Hood, City of Hope, Passion Fish, Innocent Blood. In 1992, she did Malcolm X. So I had oh, okay. to, and then in 1993, she did What's Love Got to Do With It. So I'm pretty sure that I ended up seeing this movie probably after 1993. Because I'm pretty sure that I saw, because I also knew who Lawrence Fishburne was. Yeah. And so I'm pretty sure I saw this movie in 1993 after seeing What's Love Got to Do with It. it and I probably saw it on cable because I did not remember the beginning of the film. So that's right. probably okay. how I saw it. Right. Because right. we were early adopters of cable. Poppy needed yes. his HBO. <laughs> Puppy needed some color up in the house. I was like, oh my gosh. Look where I'm living. I need something. I'm living in Leave It to Beaverland. Give me some relief. My my children need to be fair and balanced. But I don't think he was like, sit down, watch this. But no. nobody told me to turn it off either. Well, we didn't tell you to turn off anything. You watched things that were... <laughs> mature for you all along but you were you, you were always more mature than poppy or me so <laughs> why not let her explain it to us okay that's right i don't want to you're gonna hear some words i don't want you to hear them repeated okay yeah. until you graduate from high school and then you will hear them coming out of my own mouth oh, Wow. If, <laughs> listeners, if you could go back in a time machine and hear how clean the family talked, and then I come home from college and I was just like, who are these filthy people? Oh my gosh. Oh, kept it in as long as I could. <laughs> then it was like, what is motherfucker? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Dropping the F bombs. Poppy didn't. Poppy was still good. He was still talking about mugs and such. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Okay. Written and directed by John Singleton. This was his feature film debut. 
Yes. He also did Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, Rosewood, The 2000 Shaft, Baby Boy, Too Fast, Too Furious, Four Brothers, and Abduction. He was also... Um, at, he also did a nerd alert. He also directed the 2009 81st Academy Awards telecast. Wow. He also directed episodes of Empire, American Crime Story, Billions. He did the Remember the Time Michael Jackson video. And he is co-creator, writer, and director of the FX television series Snowfall. Which, if you are a fan of Boys in the Hood and you are looking at it like I did as a 13-year-old kid from the East Coast going, why is that the hood? Everyone has a lawn and their single-family homes. I did think that. I was used to, when you you grow up on the East Coast, you think of the projects in the hood, it's apartment buildings. You know, it's bricks. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Los Angeles, they're like, they got houses. How could you have a hood with lawns? Um, this show, like Snowfall, it takes place in 1984 when this movie, well, like the early 80s, because it shows what the crack epidemic did to create the 90s going on, um, like every inner city, but especially... You know, like when you're looking, this is a nice neighborhood. What happened? Crack. And then it also shows, oh, how did crack become? Because why can't you get yourself together? Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Be American. You know, self, you're doing it to yourselves and stuff. It's very interesting to see how and why crack and the ravages and where it came from. Okay. (laughs) The government. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Opioid crisis? The government. Yeah. It just it spread to the white areas. And now it's, yeah, a, now now it's, it's an, an issue. issue. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Opioids are whack. Oh. It was produced by Steve Nicolades. The music is by Stanley Clark. He's an American bassist and film composer. He also did The Five Heartbeats, Passenger 57, What's Love Got to Do With It, Poetic Justice, uh, the Transporter, to name a few. The director of photography is Charles Mills. He also shot Days of Thunder, Beverly Hills Cop 3, Barbershop, The Next Cut, to name a few. Edited by Bruce Cannon. He did Four Brothers, Higher Learning, E.T., Rosewood. The cast, for pretty much everybody in this film, this is either their debut or their big first thing. So you have Cuba Gooding Jr. as Trey Styles. He went on to do A Few Good Men, Tuskegee Airmen, Outbreak, Jerry Maguire, As Good As It Gets, Selma. He was OJ in The People versus OJ Simpson, American Crime Story. Angela Bassett as Reva Styles, Trey Styles' mother. She was in What's Love Got to Do With It, Malcolm X, Waiting to Exhale, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, Black Panther. She's currently on Fox's 911 series, looking the same. <laughs> we do love our Angela Bassett. Oh, we do. the original queen is, is Angela Bassett. She is. Lawrence Fishburne as Jason Furious Styles Jr. I mean, 
What are you going to say about Larry? You know him. Morpheus in the Matrix trilogy. He was in Apocalypse Now. Cornbread Earl He was 14 in Apocalypse Now. Mm -hmm. He lied about his age. The Color Purple, School Days, Kings of New York, What's Love Got to Do With It, Searching for Bobby Fischer, so many movies. that My hand just got tired. And currently in Blackish as Pops. Yeah, Pops. That's right. Ice Cube as Doughboy. This was his film debut. He was a member of the rap group NWA. He went on to be in Higher Learning, Three Kings, Friday, Barbershop, 21 Drum Street, Players Club, I got the hookup all about the Benjamins. I mean, Ice Cube has become a, a bona fide um, mogul. He also, you know, did straight out of Compton, you know, produced that. He's got into right. producing, writing. He co-wrote Friday. Great. Has a son in the biz now? His son is killing it. Was in Long Shot. Yeah. Also in the straight out of Compton movie. His son is great. He was great in this movie. Yes, he was. We have Morris, Boys in the Hood, Chestnut. That's how I always call him because that was how he was referred to in the promos for the NBC television series with Patti LaBelle out all, out all night or up all night. And I was a fan of that show because I also love me some Patti LaBelle. Um, he played Ricky Baker. This was his film debut. He was in The Inkwell, G.I. Jane, The Best Man, The Best Man Holiday, the TV show Out All Night. Also Nurse Jackie. He's also right now in The Resident. Uh, Nia Long. She played Brandy. She was in Friday. Love Jones. Soul Food. The Best Man. Boiler Room. Big Mama's House. On TV, she was in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. She was in Third Watch. She was in NCS, NCIS LA. Then we have Jesse Lawrence Ferguson. He was Officer Kofi. Very uncomfortable. Yes, he was. He was in The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, Across the Eighth Dimension, and Dark Man. And we have one, Regina King. <laughs> Regina! I think it's Shalika. She was in 227, <coughs> did a bunch of TV work. This was her first film role. She went on to be in Poetic Justice Friday, Jerry Maguire, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, Ray, Miss Congeniality 2, won an Oscar for If Beale Street Could Talk. She's the voice of Riley and Huey in the great animated series, The Boondocks. She was in Southland, which is a great show that, that many people missed. Go back and stream that show. That's a great show. She was on six episodes of The Big Bang Theory, American Crime, The Leftovers, and most recently, if you have not seen The Watchmen on HBO, watch Watchmen on HBO. Great watch show. anything she's in. Anything. That's how I My roll. white friends, watch Regina King. Come on. That is how I roll. When I see Regina King is in something, I watch it. She has built up a cachet of trust with me that I'm all in on what Regina King is doing. She, the, she, it started with Angela Bassett. She was our, she was our go-to. Now put Regina King in the, in the category. Queens. Queens. Okay. Those are the particulars. <sighs> okay. Well, it starts with, um, what do you call those things that come up and to have words on them, Aaron? Titles. 
titles. titles. A title card, like. I believe you're referring to titles. Huh? One out of every 21 black males will be murdered in their lifetime. What? One out of every 21. Okay. And then we hear machine gun fire, and then another title card comes up and says, most will die at the hands of another black male, which is one reason why, you know, the old white people don't care. Go ahead and kill yourselves. Then we don't have to deal with you. Ouch. It's um, 1984. We hear screaming helicopters. We hear screaming and helicopters and screaming helicopters. <laughs> we see a stop sign and we see a young black male tray and there are children walking to school and they're talking about the shooting that happened in the neighborhood last night. And then one of them says, y'all want to see something? And they uh, reluctantly follow. There's police tape. There are some posters of Reagan, four more years, that are all shot up. With a cowboy hat. And then one of the little kids gives it the middle finger. Which, I mean. And... <laughs> yeah. Okay, not even going to go into the politicalness of Reagan. and It wasn't the good old days. Okay, we see uh, blood in the trash uh, around um, the, uh, the trash that's all scattered. Um, then we, they are in school, and <laughs> the teacher is talking about Thanksgiving. She is a young white teacher. Picture, if I was going to recast her, I would recast Kate McKinnon. I thought it was Kate McKinnon, but I was like, no, this is 1991, Aaron. It's not. And, and, but being straight, I mean, not, no, being, being, uh, the, playing the character, not being a Kate McKinnon character, being the character of the young white teacher who wants to go into South Central LA and save these children and do the right thing by these children, except she's in over her head. Yeah, she doesn't realize that she's up against institutional <laughs> institutional powers that be. She's like, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to get I'm, these kids. I'm going to make a difference. Well, she's talking about the first Thanksgiving, which is <sighs> problematic anyway. She's talking about it how I learned about it. Yeah. And <laughs> you didn't have me for a teacher. And, um, the, and the kids are cutting up as they always do. And so Trey's cutting up. So she goes, Trey, you want to come up here and teach the class? Never. Yeah. Never I was just like, this, that, this is a, this is a rookie teacher move right oh, here. Such a rookie move. And this he goes, is, yeah. You okay, do not I'll come give up, up control. <laughs> and so he goes up, they have a map pulled down a map of the world because back in the day, there used to be maps attached to the wall that you would pull down. I remember, yes. So many stories about those because they became so outdated, but everybody had to have a map of the world, a map of the United States, a map of North America. I mean, it was, they were all lined up and you had to pull the right tab to get the right one down. Yeah, there were so many different tabs. You would never yeah. see it really ever i mean i remember i was well into maybe my 30s when i had to google what happened to bombay <laughs> well, 
I knew that Bombay was a city in India. And now all of a sudden I'm not hearing about Bombay. I'm hearing about this Mumbai. What the hell happened to Bombay? I'm still trying to figure out what happened to Cape Kennedy. But, you know. Cape hey. Kennedy? Is that Cape Canaveral? It was, it was Cape Canaveral. It became Cape Kennedy for a while after the assassination. Now it's back to Cape Canaveral. And I don't know when that happened. I think that happened. That's in Texas, right? So... No, is Cape Canaveral Florida? is Florida even worse. So. Well, I think we can know when that happened. <laughs> there is the Kennedy Space Center, which is in Houston, but uh, I digress. Okay, so the map of the world is down, so Trey points to Africa. Anybody know what this is? It's Africa. Okay. <laughs> and, he's, and he says what his father told him, which is true. All mankind is descended from Africa. So we are all Africans. <laughs> which which makes me think of one particular brunch at the officers club where I was asked where I came from, but we don't want to go into that. It, it ended in a very bad way. Okay, everybody <laughs> came from Africa. And then a fight breaks out between Trey and one of his good friends. And the teacher's like, when did this go wrong? When you, <laughs> you lost, lost control. control. <laughs> when you gave voluntarily gave up control because you thought that you were empowering. It it can't, good intentions, but hey, that w what we always see, unintended consequences. You, you're trying to you're trying to you're coming from a place of good. Like I'm gonna empower. Let me let me give some empowerment to this young man. <gasps> I have given up control. Damn it. <laughs> and you never get it back. Nope. Okay, then there's a voiceover of a telephone call between uh, Trey's mom and Trey's teacher. Yes. And Trey's teacher is saying that he has an anger problem. Um, and he's suspended for three days. Uh, and there's some good um, well, interjected. She's making, the teacher is also making assumptions when she's talking to the mother. And we see, we don't see the teacher. We just hear her. But we see Angela Bassett. We see her house that she's in, which is immaculate. We see her in like a, a business. What was those things? They were like business suit dresses. Like she's yeah. looking, she is professional. Business attire. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. She she is, you look at her and you're like, well, yes, this woman has a job. She is a professional. And so this reminded me of a, of a real life incident with you and my brother and his guidance counselor because the teacher was sort of making these implications that she asked at one point if Trey's mother worked. And she yes. was like, yes, I do work. I in addition to working, I am also working on a master's degree. Yes, I am educated. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, well, he's allowed to, like, he's, you know, really smart and he shows potential. He's going to, I'll see him back in three days. And the mom's like, no, you know what? You're not going to see him in three days because he's going to live with his father. And the teacher's like, oh, his father? Because the teacher just assumes that the father isn't in the picture. Exactly. And so Reva, who is Angela Bassett, is like, yes, his father is in the picture and does take care of him and is actually a great father. 
uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, she's, didn't she say something about, yeah, we do have, fa we do have fathers. It's like, we don't oh, just yeah. produce children on our own. Great fast. Another great facet moment. She was like, yeah, we do have fathers. We're, we're not able to just produce, uh, children on our own, which is exactly what yeah. you said. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's very, uh, oh, okay. Um, so it's setting it up that like yeah this guy Trey has a mo his, his parents aren't together but they are in his, both in his lives he it's not like his father is this guy that he never sees he is over there a lot his mother is well educated trying to educate herself even more because she wants to get a better job obviously she knows that this isn't the place for her son to be in these surroundings she wants to get a better job so that she can have her kid go to a better school have better opportunities. Right. She she is a well aware of the stereotype and it's like, hey, don't you know, you're calling me, telling me all this stuff, making all these assumptions about me, and you have it all wrong. So uh the next scene, Trey's in the car with his mom, and she's saying, you know, you promised me that you weren't gonna get in any more fights, and the next time you did. You were going to go live with your father. That's what it's come to. And then she says, I just don't want you to end up dead. Because mm -hmm. she she knows. So they pull up to a house, which surprised me. A very nice house with a nice lawn. And it is the house of Lawrence Fishburne, the fa said father. Furious who, Styles. Who at the time was six years older than Cuba. But it's so funny in watching it as a kid of, we'll say, 13, that when I watched it, Lawrence Fishburne seemed old. And then when I rewatched it yesterday, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, he's so young. So young. <laughs> so young. Uh, Mom and Dad have a, a talk, and and Angela says, you're, you're right. I can't teach him how to be a man. And, and take care of my baby. It's just temporary until I get out of school, get a better job, get my own house. And so... I don't really know how many moms would do that. Not many. You know? Not many. But it it showed that they had respect for each other. Mm -hmm. That she... That she trusted him enough to be like, okay, you're going... Like, you're watching out for him... This is what he needs. He needs like that discipline and you know, he needs to learn how to handle a world that is always going to be trying to get him to pop off. He needs right. to learn how to harness that anger. And that's really hard because there's at every twist oh, and turn is, is triggers and he has to, right. he needs to learn how to not be triggered in a world that is only triggering. Right. 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 And so I really did appreciate the, the respect they had for each other. She didn't want to give him up, but she had to. So, so, um, Lawrence Fishburne offers two kids some money. How much money did he offer five them? Bucks. A dollar each? Yeah, though. Or maybe it was five or something. I, I think don't know. it was five dollars to rake up the leaves, mm -hmm. which I thought at, at that point that wasn't that bad. I mean, I was making that much money for doing the entire family's laundry. 
So, <laughs> which went as well as one might expect. <laughs> the reason was you got home from school, you could get this. This is when we were in Germany. So we had to share washers and dryers with everybody in the building. You got home from school so you could start the wash before anybody else was home from work to start the wash. Ah. That, that was the thinking behind it. It oh. wasn't, oh, put the little black girl to work. I just thought it was like, you know, you need to you, you need to help out. You need to do your part. You make these dirty clothes. You're part of this family. So I was like, all right. Never yeah. mind that I'm scared to death of that basement. <laughs> all of the Nazi bad. stories that I've heard being haunted by the ghost of Hitler down there. <laughs> oh, God. So... On the same vein, he goes, hey, Trey, those boys aren't going to do it, so I need you to rake up these leaves and bag them up. And <laughs> yeah, he, he basically didn't get it fixed. And, and the little boys go, dang, your daddy's hard. Who they, who they think you are, Kunta Kinte? <laughs> okay, so he gets that done. They go in inside, and he has to repeat the rules of the house because he's just now coming. I mean, he hasn't even put his suitcase in his room yet. He's had to rake up the leaves. But did you notice where the in the kitchen there was no dining room? There was no dining table. What what it was in the kitchen? Like in most houses, it would be like a dining table, but because he's living with his dad, it's the bench press. Yes. <laughs> There's no kitchen table. It's the bench press. Yeah, we eat off of the okay. And, and okay. then he and he has to clean the tub, and he goes to look at the tub. And, and the as tub someone who has lived in a house with like a majority of boys in college, that was about right. Oh God, <laughs> that, that was yeah. why I was like, I there's the there was a reason why there was a girl's floor in that yeah. house. <laughs> it's the reason your brother decided to live on his own. I was like, if oh was my gonna God, clean that third, it was going to be his own. It was a nasty bathtub. Okay, so his job, the rules of the house, he had to clean his bathroom, cl clean the one bathroom yeah. in the house, clean his room, water the lawn, um, and he goes, Pops, if I'm doing all this, what are you doing? And he said, uh, well, I pay the bills, <laughs> and I give you food, and I give you clothes. I'm just trying to teach you responsibility. Which is... <laughs> It's funny watching it as an adult and comparing it to watching it as a kid. And I'm like, he, he's doing a lot. <laughs> he was he was doing a lot because nobody was cleaning that tub before he got there. Okay, it's nighttime. There's a dripping faucet. Oh, is there anything more annoying than a dripping faucet in the middle of the night? I don't know. Some I got earplugs, man. <laughs> somebody breaks in. Uh, this is a great scene. It was so tense. It was so tense because, okay, so Lawrence Fishburne hears somebody break in. So he reaches and gets his gun. At this point, Trey just gets up to use the bathroom. So you see Lawrence Fishburne with a gun. You see the break-in dude with a gun, and you're going, oh, shit, he's just trying to go to the bathroom, but he could easily get shot. This is collateral damage. Every day. As they said in the beginning, the, somebody's mom said a bullet doesn't have a name on it. Yeah, it still doesn't. 
Okay, well, we hear two shots, and the dude got away and left just a, a Converse shoe. So the police big, were called. Big shots, because he had one of those big, like, dirty, hairy guns. Yeah. And he blew big two holes huge in the door. holes in the door. Yeah. He's not pulling a Derringer out. No. Also, he is a Vietnam vet, so he saw some shit. He saw some shit. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, the police pull up an hour later, one white and one black, and this showed how black people could be so ugly to their own people. Because yeah. he, he's treating the black officer, uh, the white officer was fairly respectful. The black guy is horrible. Just the black call, officer. Just call him like the N word saying how it would be like you should have shot him then it would be less work and we'd have one less N-word out on these streets and stuff. And you can see Lawrence Fishburne does not like it, but he doesn't because this is what he's, this is why Trey has come to live with him is because he, and he, you can see it flash across his face. I'm like, this motherfucker. But he's like, I can't pop off because he's the cops. And I'm also, I'm raising my son that he has to learn to deal with this. So he tells Trey, why don't you go back in the house? And then the the police officer, coffee guy, he like keeps spouting off and stuff. And you know, Trey has to be like respectful. And he said, and then the police officer guy says, "What? You have a problem?" And Trey takes a drag of a cigarette. Not Trey, that that yeah, furious takes a drag of a cigarette, and he says, "Yeah, I got a problem. It's just too bad you don't know what it is." Yeah, you don't see the you don't. See and then the he problem. goes, brother, and turns back and walks away. It's the classic. Then it's on the cop of like, what? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next scene, we have four boy. The four boys. There's it's Trey, Doughboy, Little Chris, Ricky, and Little Chris. Yeah. Um, and one of them has a loaded gun. He says, "I have a loaded gun at home." Little Chris does. <sighs> And they see a dead body. Because his brother gave it to him before he went to jail. Because yeah. he was now the man of the house. So he had to know where the loaded gun was. So they see this dead body and it's like, yeah, here's another dead body. Nerd alert. So the Rob <laughs> Reiner film Stand By Me was John Singleton's favorite film. And this going to see a dead body was a direct homage to Stand By Me with the little kids going to see the dead body. Nice. Then five older boys show up. And um, Ricky always had a football in his hand. Mm -hmm. And he has his football. And so one of them says, hey, throw the football to me. And he's going, and they're going, don't do it. You'll never get it back. Well, his brother Doughboy told him not to bring the football. Don't what? bring the football. Yeah. Didn't listen to him. And then, so then Doughboy's like, you're going to throw that football to him. You're never going to see it. You're never going to get it back. But they're older. They're older kids. And there's more it, of them. And they're kind of bullying. And so he does throw it. And that's like, thanks. And then they go off to play football. Mm-hmm. And Trey goes, I have one at home. I'll give it to you. And Doughboy goes, yeah, he doesn't want that football. Our dad, his dad gave him that football. Yeah, because Doughboy and Ricky have two different dads. Yeah, that becomes more important later. Um, 
and Doughboy goes after the fo- goes after him and says, "Give me the football back." So Doughboy, he there's a there's a great quote. We'll get to. I have it written down somewhere. We'll get to it later of this scene. But yeah, Doughboy stands up to these kids that he's outnumbered and he is smaller than them, even though he's on the hefty side. But he shows a lot of courage in standing up for his brother. And he says, hey, give me my brother's football bag. It's not yours. And he gets his ass beat. Yeah, he gets kicked in the belly a lot. Um. Okay. And then the big dude, though, the big dude of the big dudes realizes this isn't cool. You know, and he he gets the football back and he throws it back to Ricky. Yeah, I keep forgetting Ricky's name. That's who doesn't when a great see he's like, hey, catch! And so he throws it, and Ricky doesn't catch the ball, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, it was good because I remember like growing up, my brother ended up being a very good receiver, but growing up, if you had told me he was going to be a wide receiver and really good at catching. I would have been like, my brother is very fast and he's very elusive. Catching is not his strong suit. But he grew up and then he became, he was super good at catching. Why did he have to become super good at catching? Because he had to play the receiver. Because the stupid coaches went, he's, he's small. He's not going to be a running back in high school. Because they didn't even give him the chance. But I'm going on a tangent. You are. Reel it back. Reel it back. Reel it back in, Ma. Ma B. We're going to end up talking about cheer. Then we're going to end up talking about the Michael Vick 30 for 30. So let's reel it back in. (laughs) We got a lot to talk about. Okay. uh, The kids are at the beach. Uh, No, no, no. Not the kids. Um, Furious and Oh, yeah. Because because they were like, oh, we're going to go... They were going to go see this dead body, but he was like, well, I got to be back because my dad's going to take me fishing, which all those kids don't have the dad in their lives. So they don't right. get to go fishing. And so then his dad, like, you know, took him to fishing. There's a lot of kids in South Central L.A. You think it's Los Angeles. They've seen the beach. They don't get to mm-hmm. go to the beach because mm-hmm. it's it's inland. If you look at the map of where the city of Los Angeles and where South Central is, even though to you, you think. Well, that it's L.A., it's the coast and stuff, but how are you going to get there? How are you going right. to get to the beach? So right. there are people who, um, and there are even stories of, of you know, the nef- like drug dealers and nefarious gangsters and stuff who will take the kids in the community to the beach to experience things because they think it's important to experience things. But it's, you know. Unfortunately, it's for their own end ultimately but then it's ultimately like they are trying to do something but then the way that they're able to make the money to do something is detrimental to to their own community but they are still trying to give back so it's that weird kind of i don't know yeah yeah (coughs) okay so they are, they're sitting on the rocks at the beach and they're going through another list of things that Furious is teaching Trey. His lessons on how to be a leader. He's like, are you a leader or are you a follower? And Trey <coughs> says, I'm a leader. And he's like, well, what are the lessons of being a leader? And Trey is a good student, rattles him off. Always look the other person in the eye. Yes. 
Uh, ask, you never have to steal. You can ask for help, but you never have to steal. Three, don't respect anyone who doesn't respect you back. Um, and he says, I, uh, and Furious says, I wanted to be somebody you could look up to. Uh, he also tells him, don't ever go in the army. <laughs> I know. Which was, like, that, that was a very, that, that wasn't the only thing. Remember the, the uh, a Living Color sketch? Where they were like, get an ugly wife and a messed up life in the army. There was a lot in the early 90s of like, don't join the army. Which it makes sense because of Vietnam and stuff. But it was just yeah. weird being like, as being a kid where you're like, but the army is paying for like my life. <laughs> but there's a difference. There was a difference. Yeah. My dad was an officer. <laughs> big difference. Huge difference exactly. than just going in enlisted. Right. Don't go, don't go in enlisted. Um, because at that time, the enlisted troops at were that mainly time, black. Still? If you were to if you were to look at the <coughs> amount of minorities, it's still that out here. It the Marines are huge in the like the Latino community. Right, there's right. so many because that's how you'll get a foot in. And I'm like, look, and I'm always telling people, I'm like, look, tell your son to like get that money for the education, like get that's the right. college degree, get them to that's pay right. for the college. Because they're you like you're a body to them, right? And they will just if is if you're enlisted, they will just place you to where you need to go to catch a bullet. Like you need to get, you take that money so that they have invested in you, and then they're a little more like, oh well, we we have invested money in this, so right. <laughs> let's not make right. him the the first to catch a bullet. Oh, I just had another good thought, but it just left. Sorry. No. Uh, okay, it might come back. But that was how, Probably like, th that was, I, and thinking of it now, I remember, like, as a kid and stuff, I was like, I, I understood where he was coming from, but then I was also like, but if you are smart about it, you can use it to your benefit. Like, I wasn't ever like, my dad made a horrible decision. <laughs> No, he's, that was, he's in it for the man. I was like, well played, yeah. well played. Well, that's how he was an ROTC to pay for his his college degree, which then got him in as an officer instead of as an enlisted person. Paid for my education. Okay, um, so then they go back home, and as they're driving home from this nice day at the beach. They see Doughboy and, was it Chris? Yes. In the police car going, being arrested Be for stealing. Because when Trey left Ricky, Chris, and Doughboy, Doughboy had gotten his ass kicked. And he was like, man, I'm going to the store. And Ricky was like, you don't have any money. You can't go to the store. And Doughboy was like, I don't care. And so when they come home, they see him get Doughboy and little Chris getting locked up. And they're like, oh, he's going to juvie. And they're like, no, he's not going to juvie. Like, he got caught stealing. So he yeah. went to the store and they had to steal, which was the lesson when they were at the pier at the ocean. Right. His you dad was like, steal. you can ask, but don't ever steal. Right. 
Very sad. Oh, okay. Seven years later. Now we're at 1991, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricky has his little son who, the way that little son was bouncing, looked just like your brother. He totally. I was like, I remember that. He was jumping up and down. And you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Uh, and they were at a barbecue at his house. Because Doughboy, they're celebrating Doughboy's uh, freedom. Doughboy finally got out of jail. He's now Ice Cube. So Trey comes in there looking mighty fine because he works at a clothing store now. So he has some nice duds on. He's got, he's, it's very 90s. It's a very, which it's going to come back. It, it's oh, yeah. probably there's kids probably already rocking that look where I'm like, that's nineties, man. The, the high waisted pants w- yep. that are like pleated. So they're, they're kind of full. Oh, I mean, cross colors was a little later, but that's going to come back. Hipsters yeah. are going to find like generation Z is going to discover cross color and I'm going to be laughing hilariously. <laughs> We find a young Regina King. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, I didn't know she was in it. So that was like a total bonus for me. Were, is- were you like young Regina King? I did. I remember because I was watching it the first time I watched it going because that was Regina King from 227. And her character in 227 was, you know, she was... Um, she was a good like super goody two shoes but she was she, well, she wasn't throwing the n word around yeah and <laughs> and in this i was just like oh my god what oh so there are some young ladies there the along uh regina king and um it's time to eat and so all of the guys just uh the guys are eyeing the girls because they want some action but it's time to eat they all crowd around the table and Trey goes, wait, 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 wait. We got some ladies here. Let the ladies go first. Because mm-hmm. his daddy had raised him right. And he was uh, trying to impress me along. He was indeed. Um, then he goes home and daddy's shaping up his fade. Mm-hmm. And we start talking about uh, a sexual encounter that Trey had. Yeah, because his dad, like, all wanted to know about it and stuff. And I was like, oh. Well, because the dad mostly wanted to be sure that he was protected. Yeah, his dad was like, I had you when I was 17. I don't want to have, I'm not old enough to be a grandfather. Like, I don't want to take on that responsibility all of that stuff, the money. I want you to, to have a future, you know, like be smart about it. Also, this was the early 90s. Yes. And as we'll yeah. get to, yeah, we are there. He had a conversation about it, which we'll, I'm sure, talk about in the reheatables. <laughs> <laughs> or not, because I just don't have to talk about some of those things. <laughs> well, I will. Um, and then he is arguing with Brandy, Nia Long, because he wants to have sex and she doesn't want to. Yes. Um, and then there's a phone call because um, Angela Bassett now wants Trey to come back and live with her. 
she's got herself together. Oh, she is. When it cuts to her apartment, it looks like she's in some sort of high rise. It's very nice. She definitely got her master's degree and is doing quite well for herself. And I can guarantee you that bathtub was clean. clean. Spick and span. Well, there's a recruiter from USC coming to Ricky's house because Ricky always had that football in his hand. He is a running back mm -hmm. because his coach saw potential and gave him that opportunity. Um, and the whole time you hear a helicopter overhead. Now, remember, Ricky lives in a house with Doughboy, who has just gotten out of prison. And Doughboy's friends are all hanging on the front porch. So the recruiter has to walk through them to get to Ricky inside the house. And um, we've already seen that little Chris, he had gotten, we don't see it, but he's in a wheelchair now because he got shot and paralyzed. And the actor who played him got shot and was mm -hmm. paralyzed. But he was yeah. so charismatic that John Singleton was just like, yeah, you're in. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, plus, yeah, let's show that. Okay, uh, so... <laughs> They have the VCR tape of Ricky's highlights, mm -hmm. puts them in, and uh, the recruiter's going, okay, okay, so uh, what do you what do you want to do with this? You know, what do you want to do after football? Because very few people go to the NFL, so you got it, and, and Ricky's like, what? What do I, what? I, I want to go play football. Well, well, he wasn't like, I want to go play football, he, just nobody had ever told him that or asked well he said that people had said you know it's a long shot to get into the nfl but nobody had ever put it to him in the way that the recruiter had which was you could get into usc and you might not be able you probably won't get to the nfl but your football will allow you to get a higher education right. where you can then have a better life so have you ever thought about what you want to study like, instead of the NFL being the end all, like the college can, it gets you in the door. Exactly. And he was like, you can do whatever you put your mind to. What have you thought about? And then in that moment, he was just kind of like, oh, well, my friend Trey is really smart. So maybe like business would probably be pretty good. And he's like, mm -hmm. I'm also pretty good with computers. So and the recruiter was like, all right. I took that scene to be that. The recruiter was impressed by it because he knew because the recruiter wasn't a white guy. The recruiter was a black guy and he was kind of obviously being a recruiter from USC. I don't think he was foreign to this sort of right, right. dimension that was being this family dimension that was being brought in because at some point like the, his naked son you know, comes out and stuff. And he's like, oh, is that your little brother? And he's like, no, it's actually my son. And so then the recruiter, like, calculates. And he's like, all right. But the recruiter wasn't ever, oh, my God, he, no. he's he got a son. He was just like, okay, this is, this is what we're dealing with. Well, look, you're probably not going to get into the NFL. But if you get into USC, great institution, what do you want to study? Because you could probably get your education paid for and set you up on a nice life. Ricky's uh, GPA right now is a 2.3. Mm -hmm. Which was probably pretty good. Yeah, really. And he just, he needed to take the SAT and get 700. 
he that was his benchmark 700 on the sat i know i know about that, those benchmarks yeah you yeah you just need to get and so out. and like, at that oh. point i was going oh 700 wow but you get 600 for signing your name Okay, well, I didn't realize that. And I then think- I wanted to say, in 30 years, people are going to be paying so much money to get their kids in. Well, USC people. I mean, no. not Ricky's people. Not Ricky's people. No. And so it has been an hour. Nice. And so we hope we set it up for you that you are you are invested in Ricky and Trey, and um, you want to see where this goes. Because it keeps going. It does. Lots more stuff happens. What's the next category? Next category is our European people of color. Okay, so I have... So I have one cop, two cops, one teacher, the SAT admin, the hostess at the restaurant, the waitress at the restaurant, and then at the restaurant, I put a, a ten plus because it see, there were like a bunch of people in the restaurant scene with Furious and Angela Bassett. So I have one. Yeah, because that was three, a nice restaurant. Four, five, Not six, the, yeah. Seven. So we'll say seventeen. Mm-hmm. Loose a loose seventeen. But yeah, so see what they were. there were: cops, teachers, admin, hostess, restaurant. And stuff. So, so for the most part, it's people of authority. Okay. Okay. Um, nerd alerts. Oh yeah. Yeah. Get your list out. All right. So this film was at first developed as a film school application by John Singleton. Um, it was a requirement in 1983. They said, "Come up with three ideas for a film." And then upon his graduation in 1990, he sold the film to Columbia Pictures. And he sold the film to Columbia Pictures. There's a great article um, by, I have it, I'll get to it somewhere. Oh, a Vanity Fair article by Sam Keschner, August 4th, 2016, about the making of this movie. And so there was a black assistant. I think she was an assistant to Amy Pascal, who was very high up in Sony Pictures. And she made it known that when she was getting moved up for the promotion, she wanted a person of color to replace her. So John Singleton came in. And as soon as he got in to, to, you know, to be the replacement for the person. And as soon as he came in, though, he was like, I got this. I got this script. I got this script here. Read this script. So he was doing the script. He gave it to the woman and she read it. And she was like, wow, this is fantastic. And gave it to Amy Pascal. She read it. She really liked it. But then a lot of people in Sony, because Sony had just bought Columbia from Coca-Cola they kind of didn't get it. They didn't think that it was really for them and stuff. But there was this one guy, and I forget. Oh, he made movies like Gandhi, Out of Africa. He was very good at seeing like the potential. And so they got this guy involved. And he read the script, and he was like, I think that this is important. And John Singleton was very adamant that he wanted to direct it because... Mm-hmm. 
he didn't want someone from Idaho or Encino going and making a movie about South Central LA because this is where he was from. Like, the whole yeah. idea was about characters and stuff that he had had seen in his life and like Furious the father is based on his own father and stuff. So they that was you know he John Singleton was 22 at the time so Columbia was very wary of like get, letting this guy have the reins and this other guy the higher up guy was a champion of it and also 1989 remember do the right thing had come out and was a big success. Mm-hmm. So as movie studios do, they look around, they're like, we want our own do the right thing. They have this script. It, everyone who is in the know liked it. So this guy was like, all right, well put together who, like who would he cast? So he had casting and Cuba Gooding Jr. and Morris Chestnut. They were like one of the first two people to show up. And he li- he really liked them and thought that he saw something in them. But they were unknowns. So they kept having to like audition and stuff and like put tapes together. And then um, through John Singleton was working. He had worked as a security guard and PA on Pee Wee's Big House. Or no, Pee Wee's right. Big Adventure. No, it was the show, I think. Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, Pee-wee's Playhouse, and uh, Lawrence Fishburne was the cowboy on it, and so he had, like, kind of got a rapport and stuff, because Lawrence Fishburne, he had worked with Spike on School Days and Apocalypse Now and stuff, and so he was like, here, you know, read this script, and, you know, Lawrence Fishburne was like, how old are you? And he was like, I'm eight, at that time, he was like, I'm 18, you know, and he read the script, and he was like, yeah, if you make this, like, I'm in. And then when... John Singleton was interning at the Arsenio Hall show. He met Ice Cube and Ice Cube was in NWA. And that was like NWA was big for people out on the West Coast because that was the first time that a lot of people had heard music that was, you know, telling like their life like, oh, that that this is my life. They're telling my story and stuff. So Ice Cube was like a big deal. And John Singleton was a fan because he was from the same kind of place. And so he saw Ice Cube and he was like, I want you to be in my movie. And Ice Cube was just like, like, what? Whatever. So he had the script. He didn't read the script. He went, his manager said, somebody wants you in a movie. Go to this spot. He shows up. He hadn't read the script. His audition went horribly. But John Singleton knew him and was like, look, he specifically wrote the part of Doughboy for Ice Cube. He said, mm-hmm. go read the script and come back and do the audition again. And so then that's when Ice Cube was like, oh, this is legitimate. Like, this isn't just some whatever. You're going to be dumb. Like, this guy is from where I'm from. Read the script, was like, oh, snap. All right. Then went in and delivered a great audition. So the studio didn't even know that Ice Cube was in NWA because that's how out of touch the studio of was. So they were like, sure. Because if the studio had known, they would have been like, nah, man. No, we don't think. But he delivered the tapes on all the people. And that guy who was high up, who had seen it, he saw the decisions that Singleton had made in casting and was like, wow, Cuba Gooding Jr., Morris Chestnut, he's got Lawrence Fishburne, um, Ice Cube, they just popped off the screen. They're like, who are these guys, you know? And that guy was so impressed with Lawrence Fishburne's, um, not Lawrence Fishburne, but John Singleton's eye for talent that he was like, okay, I trust him to go off and make the movie. 
you know, based on the casting and stuff. And Lawrence Fishburne had worked with Apocalypse Now. Francis Ford Coppola. Right. And so he brought, he, he told John Singleton about a lot of the stuff that he learned on that set. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so the movie was shot in sequence, which is very rare. Most movies aren't shot in sequence because if you have the same set, then you will go back and use that and stuff. But they shot this in sequence in October and November 1990. And John Singleton has said, like, you can see as the film progresses, the camera work gets better and stuff. (laughs) John Singleton has a Hitchcock cameo. He's the mailman. Yes. And in that uh, Vanity Fair article I referenced, the editor... Canon, he said that it was pretty perfect because John Singleton played the mailman who was, quote, delivering the news. Delivering the story. That's what what Boys in the Hood was, was kind of delivering the news. Like, this is what's going on in the hood. Uh Um, Oh, here he goes. So in reference to when little Doughboy stands up to the and shows courage and standing up to the kids in this article, the Vanity Fair article, they say, quote, in another culture, Doughboy would grow up to be Achilles. He would grow up to be this great warrior. Everybody would know about how he had this warrior and courageous soul and stuff because he wasn't afraid to stand up to people. But in this one, he would go unheralded and dead before 30. Mm-hmm. Just based on where you're born, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cuba Gooding Jr., when he... To approach the role of Trey, he thought of people like Spencer Tracy, Clint Eastwood, you know, Denzel Washington, a very heroic stand. So he always played Trey as being very presidential, which Mm -hmm. I thought, I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. So those are my nerd alerts. Excellent. Okay, well, reheatables. Hmm. Okay. I, uh, they're calling all the women hoes, bitches, and hoochies. Yeah, but Regina King calls him out on that. Yeah. He was like, How come uh, every time you're always talking about you're always talking? And then it's, you know, Ice Cube has his comic retort. Um, the whole thing is a a bad reheatable and a good reheatable. The whole movie, yeah, because it's still going on today. The oppression of people and the life they have to live, and and the, the but they're you know like the good father figure. Yeah, I mean Michael Brown going in Ferguson, going to the store. And ended up shot. Yeah. Yeah. Trayvon Martin. Yeah. I mean, it happens. And that scene, it's like a heartbreaking scene that Ice Cube delivers after. He's like, I turned on the news. They just had like all this foreign talk. They didn't talk anything about my brother who got shot. And it's like people, they don't care about what's going on in the hood. It's either because they don't see it or they just don't care. Yeah. They don't care. They still don't care. Well, it's, yeah, but then, but now you're, now you're seeing what opioids are doing and how people are 
you know, there was the woman who the, the baby was always running in the middle of the street. Right. Right. And he had to, and he was like, keep your kid out of the street. And he, all she was like, was like, you got some crack, you know, you got some drugs. Right. And now you're seeing that. And now it's becoming a thing We're we're going to stop decriminalizing it. And we're going to, these people need help. It's an addiction. They, they're dependent on it. But that's only when people in Ohio and West Virginia are dropping dead. But that has been happening. I mean, how many black people in jail are there for drugs? Especially now when there are states like California that has legalized it. And you're like, how many people are in there for marijuana convictions? Right. That that was their third strike. And now they're in, they get life for a marijuana conviction and now it's legal. And mm -hmm. you would think that as soon as it turned legal, there would be some sort of computer algorithm. You look at what we can do with computers and algorithms, how Spotify knows exactly what I want to listen to next, when Netflix knows exactly what I want to watch next. But yet, as soon as weed became legal, there couldn't be some algorithm that was like, all these people need to be released. Right. But, okay. Yeah, but then you're like, now you're releasing all these people who all they have known is this life behind bars. Exactly. And then it's like, well, what are we going to do to help that? Because that now they have PTSD because they've basically been in a high-pressure situation like military veterans and having to deal with their survival. So they're not going to be super mentally ready to deal with the the world that we have now and the affordability crisis we can go on forever <laughs> yeah because the ones who are successful in jail are, are successful because they've got a hustle going on in jail or they're complete sociopaths who everybody is scared to death of them because they've killed anyone who stepped to them exactly so survival of the fittest yeah so, there you go Okay, you're reheatable. All right, my bad reheatables. The first half of the music I thought was very over the top with the strings and stuff. Oh, it was okay. very... But then it got better as the movie went on, and I was like, oh, now I like the score. And it's interesting because the same guy did What's Love Got to Do With It, and I remember that being... Um, a, a thing of, of that I'm like the it was just a a very over the top kind of score which mm -hmm. it instead of supporting how you're supposed to feel it sort of the first part of this movie it dips into the telling me how I'm supposed to feel ah. and I was just like oh I, I do it just kind of made me cringe and stuff but then by the end of it I was like this is it has evolved so if that was the game plan, then I tip my hat to it because I, ah. I was very skeptical. But then how it evolved, I was like, well, maybe you knew what you were doing. Maybe you were setting me up. Let's so, go with that. Um, the the whole talk about how you get AIDS in 1991 <laughs> was very. Well, but that's people still. That's what you thought. Like I remember <clears throat> when when they. I mean, we were in Germany and stuff when Magic Johnson was like, he was yeah. HIV positive. I was like, he's dead. Right. <laughs> like, great. Magic Johnson just died. This is horribly traumatic. And now 
he's still alive and Kobe Bryant's dead. It's crazy. <laughs> if you, <laughs> like, Aww. if you would go back in 1991 and tell little Aaron such things, her, <laughs> her little head would explode. But I remember having to come in and tell you that he had AIDS. It, like, that was, it was death sentence. Yeah, it like, was. Oh my, and, and then hearing them, how they were, like, now in, you know, 2020, hearing them of, like, oh, this is how you get it and all this stuff. You're like, no, no. But at the time. Yeah. That was. That's, yeah, that's what people were. That's how you. That's how everybody thought of it and stuff. So. Yeah, there was. <laughs> and then my battery heatable because Ice Cube gets a lot of grief for his hair in this movie. Because he has a jerry curl. Yeah. I have to say, though, upon rewatch, his hair was a lot drier than I initially remembered. Like, as a child, I remember it being, like, super jerry, super wet. And when yeah. I'm watching, I'm like, it's not that wet. No, it wasn't. It wasn't dripping oh on his collar. Yeah. <laughs> I was not really, like, taken out of it. I, I thought, like, oh, he's just got the curls and stuff. So Yeah. Okay, good reheatables? Yes, go ahead. I My father figure, the uh, father figure. Is that it? <clears throat> well, it, the whole enlightening mm-hmm. people. All right. Good reheatable number one, when the little kid gives the middle finger to the Reagan poster. I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. Even he knew. Good reheatable number two. When they were coming back from the pier scene and the five stair steps Ooh Child comes on, that's a banger no matter what. And and Furious turns it up and was like, oh, snap, this song. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know it. Damn, that's a great song. And then I liked how it was juxtaposed with like, you know, because the lyrics are Ooh Child, everything's going to be all right. You know, yeah. it's like very... But then you reveal these two kids are getting sent off like their life is basically doomed you know they're in the system now what are they gonna do yeah so but that song the five stair steps ooh child classic yeah it's great it's got a great build the drummer on that is freaking fantastic with his fills i was like oh yes um ricky's diet it's a bad reheatable because it's so bad, but it made me laugh so hard, especially this, the couple of scenes where it was after the SATs and he's just going around from location to location, drinking a carton of milk, milk. carrying it around <laughs> like he's a white Brooklyn woman with a swell bottle. <laughs> like this bo- this cart I'm like, who dr- who just takes a lot of carton of milk it's gotta be warm it's los angeles so that thing's warming up but he's just committed to drinking a carton of milk that's gonna turn on him yeah. he's gonna become lactose intolerant i'm just like man ricky and then he's always eating like hostess and at one point he's eating a bag of doritos it's just that is not how an elite athlete would eat in these days not in these days, but that's that's what he had. That's what he... I mean, it's a food desert, really. Um, 
Furious's gentrification lesson. Oh yeah, that was good. You're right. I was like, oh snap, was Brooklyn listening to this in 1991? But even like South Central and all those places, you see it everywhere. That's exactly what happens. Land goes down, people buy it up. Mm-hmm. Then they they force other people to move out. Yep. I just read a great article on the affordability crisis in America in the Atlantic this morning. Crazy. (laughs) The role reversals, how Reva was the mother figure and she wasn't, she sacrificed like that so that Furious would raise the kid Mm -hmm. and then, um... I thought that was a, like a good role reversal and stuff. Um, the spinning balls that Lawrence Fishburne, because that was what I really remembered from the movie the first time I saw it, how he was always doing that with his hand. Yeah, he had those balls and stuff. And What was the purpose of the balls? To keep your dexterity up? It is, but and then they also, I think, kind of make a soothing sonic vibration oh so you keep your dexterity up and it's also like uh i think kind of like a soothing meditative kind of thing oh and then my final good reheatable is just a shout out to my cousins because at the end of this movie spoiler alert um trey goes off to morehouse and brandy goes off to spellman yeah and i have cousins who went to both institutions Correct. So I was like, ah, spell it more house. They're smart. <laughs> They're smart. Well done. Well done. Okay. Well, recasting. No, MVP is next. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. I didn't do an MVP. What? Because I, didn't I have MVP. one. <clears throat> okay. You don't have an MVP? I did. I, I just, I, 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 I didn't. <laughs> No. I have an honorable mention. My honorable mention MVP is Regina King. Of course. Because it's like the future that we have. She just comes in for a few scenes. She's just like, boom, boom. And then she's just going to, just little queen in motion that we're going to see. My MVP, though, it's the Angela Bassett scene where she does the, at the restaurant where she does the, let me talk now. Yeah, it's my turn. It's my turn. <laughs> and how she basically, she's like, yes, congratulations. You were a father. Like you did what, like what you have been doing is what mothers have been doing for the entire history yeah. of civilization. And then how she just delivers the, you're not special. You're cute. You're cute. But you're not special. <laughs> I, I rewound that and watched that three times because I was just like, this is fantastic. Watch the queen work. Look at yeah. her. The way that she just delivers the lines. You're cute. But you're not special. <laughs> just because like you, you like you want a medal for just being a good dad. She's like, it, it the amount of heartache that I feel because you want some sort of special attention because you did what you're supposed to do because so many people aren't doing what they're supposed to do 
that that makes you feel like you're special. You're not special. You're cute, but you're not special. <laughs> and then how it ends with the, the, it's back on Lawrence Fishburne. And he just is like, she's right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I had a kid with her. Cause she <laughs> like, yeah, damn. That's, that's my MVP. That's true. Of course it would be Angela. Oh, I mean, I think she has like three scenes in this film, but I was just like, man, Angela, Angela fucking Bassett. <laughs> okay. Our next one is recasting. And I shared with you that this was very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then in real time, I came up with an idea and I was like, oh, I'm saving it for the podcast. (laughs) Okay. So I decided that if I were to do a female cast Mm -hmm. that, um, because they have to be really young people like, um, Kuba was 23, but he was playing a 17 year old. Right. Mm Okay, so my tray would be, and and of course I'm recycling the same people all the time. Because well, you, we have been given so few opportunities from Hollywood. Like we were discussing it earlier. It's not to say that there aren't more actors and actresses out there, but part of the fun is the audience being able to listen and, and laugh and like, oh yeah, that person. And we can like go and pull these names and people are going to be like, who are they? Right, right. If you look at my Google searches, (laughs) if I were to die and the FBI had to go through my Google searches, they would go, wow, this woman, uh, black male (laughs) actors under 30. (laughs) She had a type. (laughs) It was like, she was true to form, always with that type. Damn. She, she wrote Black hard. <laughs> female actresses under 30. And let me tell you, Google is very liberal with who they think is under 30. But, okay. <laughs> they are. Do you think you look like you're under 30? <laughs> so my tray, I would have Zendaya. Okay, nice. And my Ricky, I would have Tessa Thompson. <laughs> she's gonna get that football scholarship (laughs) or maybe field hockey and my dough boy I thought although it's kind of like your Tessa Thompson being Ricky there would be some pushback though of colorism on that recasting because Moore's chestnut like he was you know dark good looking dark black man Again, <laughs> yeah, that's that color. Black actresses under thirty. Oh, oh, you can go to the Google search: dark-skinned black actresses under thirty. And it's, it's like, is how old is Lupita Nyong'o? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it asks you that. Google, why are you asking me how old Lupita Nyong'o is? <laughs> Shouldn't we have more options? Okay, my doughboy would be Lizzo. <laughs> she would be such a good job. Why? <laughs> Thank you. And I just, I, I didn't, uh, that's as far as I got. All right. 
Buckle up, people, because I nailed this. Okay, let me take a swig. Take a. I'm gonna take a swig as well. So the idea oh. that I came up with on the phone with you in real time I was like, why are we overthinking this? I think this is the perfect opportunity to bust out the all-time cast. Okay. Trey. Well, wait. You know. Uh, all right, I'll go in that order. Trey. All-time Trey. Harry Belafonte, Young <gasps> Carmen era. What? What? Ricky, Denzel Washington, Glory era. <gasps> Can you see it? Yes. Doughboy, Young Forest Whitaker. <gasps> Furious Styles, Ozzy Davis. Oh yes! But then, if that if Ozzy Davis is Furious Styles, well, we know who has to be Reva. We know who Reva is, Ruby D. Ruby D. Can you imagine? She would have nailed oh, the. I just oh, got goosebumps. Cute. Oh, you're cute, but you're not special, Ruby D. <laughs> and as Brandy, all time, Jerry Lewis. joke because Jerry Lewis could apparently do anything <laughs> so Jerry Lewis showing up as Brandy because he was like oh I laughed so hard at that last night but no seriously if we're doing all time who Brandy would be it would be Dorothy Dandridge wow that's really good but but the Jerry Lewis just showing up as Brandy was like Jerry Lewis no you can't do this <laughs> I played a clown at Auschwitz. I can do anything. Jerry Lewis, you cannot be a South Central Los Angeles <laughs> girlfriend who's Catholic. No, it's just like Dorothy Dandridge in the part. <sighs> I couldn't wow. believe that you didn't. I was like, it's right there. It's the perfect opportunity to pull an all-time cast. It was. It was. Because I was really, I was really stuck. Yeah, because you don't want to, you don't want to do like a white cast because that just seems so wrong. No, that's just even, Hollywood. <laughs> even I didn't do that. <laughs> and then I was gonna go with the straight, you know, the black characters, but again, we could go with the kid from Blackish. <laughs> we could go. Yeah, it's like know? okay, Doughboy is played by O'Shea Jackson Jr., his son. And, well, I did think of that. Well, all right. <laughs> However, I did like my Lizzo. Lizzo was good. <clears throat> Thought of that this morning. Lizzo, Lizzo was pretty good. I, I would make Lizzo and Young Forest Whitaker audition for my cast. Ah. But man. Glory era Denzel with the one tear, and then he oh. flips it and he plays the do good Ricky. Yeah. And then like young Harry Belafonte. I mean, after last week, I was like, Harry Belafonte, underrated <laughs> actor by far. He, 
he can do anything. Move over, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> yeah, and then like I laughed so hard when I was like, Jerry Lewis is Brandy. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, like, excuse me, you cannot do this role. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, we're to trivia. Okay. So, uh, malt liquor sales spiked after this movie. Yeah. M- malt liquor is... Uh, I mean, everybody goes through a phase. Uh, it Was it because it came in such mass quantities? It comes in mass quantities and it's cheap. Like, yeah. It gets the job done. There's a lot of it and it's cheap. I found that out in my 20s. No, I'm sorry. But it, you're like, oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Uh, Will Smith uh, was looked at to play Trey, but he was engaged with the Fresh Prince. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he could have done it. He has that famous scene about, like, his dad. <laughs> In the Fresh Prince, remember? It's like he doesn't want me. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Murphy was looked at to play Furious. I'm glad they went with Lawrence. In 1991, yeah. Because it, that, like looking at it now, you'd be like, oh, yeah. But in, in 1991, Eddie Murphy, he wasn't that far removed from, I mean, coming to America was like, what, 88, 89? Like around then? So, he was still like Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it worked out, too. Because then in 1992, he did Boomerang. So. Right. Yeah. That, that's fine. This was, you mentioned it, autobiographical mm-hmm. for John Singleton. For pretty much everybody. Nia Long grew up in that area. Yeah, she said she was just a few blocks away from where they shot. Mm-hmm. Does John Singleton, Ice Cube, like, this is my life. Yeah. Uh, it cost $6.5 million to make, and it grossed $57.5 million. A, it, a lot of money. And in that article, I also had it written down that people, they knew that like black people were going to see this movie. Um, but they were like, how do we make it that white people will be like, oh, this is a movie for them? So they sent it over to Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival. Yes. And Roger Ebert wrote a glowing review about it, and that kind of made it more, oh, okay, I I can go see this movie. Kind of like what happened, I assume, with Moonlight. How people Mm -hmm. were like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. It's funny how we do this you know, this podcast about the classic movies and stuff, and all the minorities will watch these movies, like Casablanca, The Godfather, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not be like, this isn't about me. I can't yeah, watch this. But true. when it's about black people, it's like, oh, I need to be told by somebody that looks like me that it's okay for me to watch this. It's, yeah. It's like, but what theater will I go to? Oh, my gosh. Um, at 24, John Singleton was the youngest person to be nominated for Best Director and the first African-American person nominated for Best Director. 
Yeah, he beat Orson Welles by like a good two years. Yeah, he did. Uh, Ice Cube still owns the Golden Palace. Oh, he does? Nice. Yeah, yeah that was a cool card. Um, John Singleton never warned the cast when shots were going to be fired because mm-hmm. he wanted their reactions to be real. Yeah. Okay, and then I had, uh, yeah, the other things we've already said. And there was also a thing where in that Vanity Fair article, because the guy who produced it, that uh, Nicolades guy, um, he got to, I forget the reason. Oh, I think he worked on Stand By Me because he's a white guy and he worked on Stand By Me. And he told John Singleton at one point, he was like, why did you like pick me to, you know, to produce the movie and he was like oh well you you worked on stand by me and that's one of my favorite films of all time so yeah and that guy that producer guy he was like i want to be the only white person on this set like i want you to have like the cast the crew everything and stuff so he was very supportive um the so didn't tell them Okay, that that whole thing about like the beginning, the title, one out of twenty one black American males ends up murdered. Mm-hmm. So the guy that Dedrick Gobert, who played Dookie, he got killed in nineteen ninety four in a fight with gang members, and he was twenty two. And then the guy that played Mad Dog, Lexi Benjamin, he died in nineteen ninety seven, nineteen ninety five, at the age of twenty seven. From a car accident. And the guy that was the trigger man who shoots Ricky at the end. Spoiler alert. The Lloyd Avery II. In 2005, he was arrested and convicted of double homicide. And then in 2000, in September of 2005, he was killed in his cell by his cellmate at Pelican Bay State Prison. Dang. So I just thought, like, you know, they put that title up there. And, yeah. and there like, you go. People within the, the movie, like three guys all under 30 dead. Mm. You know, by various things and stuff. So it's not like, oh, this is just the movies and stuff. It Mm-mm. lives out in the within the whole production of the film. I remember being at the at the lunch table at school and um some a teacher was talking about her son going to um some big celebration. Like it wasn't, but let's say it was when the Nationals won the the World Series, you know, going into DC and having being a part of this big huge crowd. And I said, Well, I'm glad that you can, you know, that you could enjoy that and not, you know, have the fear that he'd get shot and the whole lunchroom was like wow that's a downer yeah but think every once in a while you got to think about that but people people don't that's been my what i've realized as i've gotten older because i i thought that i thought like most people and then you grow up and you're just like oh this thing called empathy is a muscle and it needs to be practiced and you need to watch things and be like oh, well, I see it from this way. And then they show it to me from this way. And you're just 
like like the thing that we were talking about before with the you know the gang members and the drug dealers there was a part in this film that okay another nerd alert tasty nugget from that vanity fair article was how you know they shot on location in these places and at some point somebody went to the producer and said for the scene where spoiler alert um Doughboy enacts his revenge upon the people that killed his brother. That that was going to be shot mm-hmm. at a location, and I believe that the bloods, like it was across the street from like a location that that the bloods were in control of, and they said, "Hey, the leader of it said I can't, I can't, um, I can't guarantee your safety." Because because John Singleton went out of his way to not put colors in this film. Because during the 90s, it was like very like blood script, blue, white. Like that stuff, it's crazy. Like living out here, how deep it goes with the different sex and stuff, how they won't say words that begin with like a C, they'll replace it with a B and vice versa and stuff. Like, yeah, it goes deep. So he purposely like didn't was like this isn't like a, a a thing with colors, but the guy pointed out he was like, Ice Cube is wearing a Detroit Lions hat with just blue. He's wearing a dark blue sweatshirt. That's blue, so that's Crip colors. The person that he's killing, they're in a red car mm-hmm. and they're wearing the Chicago Bulls logo. Mm-hmm. That's red. That's Blood's col- colors. You're shooting this scene across the street from I believe what they term the jungle which was controlled by bloods. He's like, I take these kids and I take them to the beach so that they see the ocean because because the, some of these kids grow up in this area. They've never seen the ocean. I take them, but I cannot guarantee that some 14-year-old trying mm-hmm. to build a rep isn't going to run up and do something dumb. Right. And so the, the producer had to go to John Singleton and was like, you sh- like, I don't think that we can shoot here. You know, John Singleton had his filmmaker cap on. He was like, no, it's going to be fine. But in the end, they did move the scene to where, to like that Crenshaw Mall place Mm -hmm. where it was done because they have that. And it's the perspective of like, yeah, here's this guy that he's this drug, this gang dealer, gang dealer, or, you know, like what you would look at as nefarious and up to no good. But then at the same time, it's not like he's blind to what's going on. He's also, though, taking kids to see what the world is outside of that. And there are there is that duality right, to right. life and stuff of like, well, nobody else is coming in there showing these kids a different life, but he, like he is. And I guarantee you the people who are doing nefarious things and that kind of thing to support their families, not because they want to be doing it, it's because this is what, they feel like they are able to do and it's just this empathy of like you think oh they're doing that because that's just what they have they're just bad people and that's what they're doing but you're not looking at the circumstances of what leads somebody to do that and it's the same thing that we talk about when we talk about world war ii and the nazis of how you're like oh they're nazis i can't believe that they would do that but they're thinking about their family and they don't want to be thrown in jail. So they're like, all right, fine. I'll sign up to be with this bullshit because if I'm able to still provide for my family and look after them. 
Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's just, it's just having this empathy of like, well, why are these people doing these things? And is there something, but people don't want to, because it's, it's way easier to just be like, that's their problem. They're in that situation because they're in that situation. Right. And how many times have you heard like, well, the civil war was however many years ago it was. And like, but then when you, you know, these ancestry.com shits and stuff, you look (laughs) at that and you're like, it wasn't really that long ago. Right. So nobody's saying that like, you have to fix it, but maybe the first step is just kind of, looking outside of yourself and be and but you still see that stuff with like the oscars people are like i don't want to see parasite because i have to read <laughs> it's like <laughs> motherfucker that shit like if you think that that's just solely in korea like you're an idiot and yet you're the one who's like i'm educated but I don't have to read shit because that's <laughs> koreans and stuff then you're a fucking moron <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. And I'm not even on the the Parasite for Best Picture bandwagon. I'm just like, yeah, I thought I liked it. It was a good film. I don't have a problem reading. Once once I learned to read when I was ten years <laughs> it old. Took a long time. <laughs> once I finally learned about this reading thing. <laughs> She'll use like, it oh. whenever she can. <laughs> Like context clues and curb your enthusiasm. I was able to figure out that all those white people were saying, I'm sorry. Lo siento, lo siento. Lo siento. Context clues. Lo I was siento. like, oh, I, I, I think they're probably saying I'm sorry in Spanish. Yeah, they lo are. Siento. Lo siento. <laughs> okay, do you have any, uh, any nuggets? Yeah, I went through my nuggets. Oh, okay. Well, I, I do think people should, should watch it. I do. It is. It's. It, I mean, it's. It's sad that it's. I think that the gang war has gotten better in Los Angeles, um, but it is still a thing with young black men in the hood, just getting yeah. caught up in all these different ways that you can get caught up. You know, like how many times? <laughs> you know, like somebody, like a cop comes up to you and is disrespectful to you and you're like excuse me i am a united states citizen like there's there's a vast majority of people who have that in their head like ah oh, i right, have right. all of these amendments and stuff and it's like i have all you know okay oh yeah okay okay miss erin next week Next week, I had to do a Google, I had to do a search on my laptop to make sure we had not done this. Ah. Because there's a lot of, there's a a lot of more current movies to do in Black History Month that I wanted to do. Also, I want to shout out to um, Apple because I had to go and see, because Cooley High was a film that John Singleton, he's, like, that was a very, um significant film to him in his childhood and so i was i was gonna do coolie high but guess what apple Can't doesn't have it. it to rent mm-hmm. so uh, apple has not had a very good black history month when it comes personally in regards to films that aaron bush is interested in renting from them 
Well, it's not, it's, it, Black History Month films come, I mean, we need, we need a greater selection. I might, I, I wanted to see Lady Bird, Lady Sings the Blues. I wanted Mahogany. Now I wanted Cooley High. And we're, we, we would kill for Porgy and Bess. We'll kill for Porgy and Bess, but I was like, you know what? I do want to keep it in our classic bush in our wheelhouse in our wheelhouse because sometimes i feel like we get even though it is classic that we get a little we do go off you know into like 90s the 80s we do there's a lot to get through well and then we have people um you know of our few listeners we have some people who who suggest things and we got to listen to them because they're listening to us we do but i don't listen to shit on february this is my month Okay, Angela. <clears throat> so I was like, well, doing these searches for these old, like, who do I know that was black that, w- that they would actually put in movies in the classic times? Because this is Gone with the Bushes, and we watched the classics for you. That's right. So 1943. <gasps> wow. I'm writing. Cabin in the Sky. I don't know this. Lena Horne's in it because I had to oh. do a Google search for. At first, I did a Google search for Dorothy Dandridge, and I was like, "Wow, you seen those movies? All right." We well. pretty much depleted that. And I'm like, "Well, who else is there? Lena Horne." Uh, and then it was Cabin in the Sky, and I was like, "Wait, did we do Cabin in the Sky already? Because we did Stormy Weather, but we haven't done Cabin in the Sky." So 1943, Cabin in the Sky. Is it a musical? I don't know. It was, I, I Lena Horne was in it. It was 1943 and it's available for rent on Apple. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Apple better watch out. Cause I might be moving to Amazon rentals. Ooh, take that because you know, things that are mentioned on gone with the bushes will be uh, uh, in a magazine at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. In a couple weeks. Like, apparently, Gone with the Bushes is the secret. We just manifest <laughs> things. Not not money in our pockets. No, but no. It's more for the betterment. It's almost like socialist Gone with the Bushes. It benefits everyone else. <laughs> we, it's not capitalist not. Gone with the Bushes. It's socialist no, Gone with the Bushes. Because we pay, we pay to rent these movies. <laughs> we don't get these for free, people. We Lone Ranger... <laughs> well we as in poppy and me <laughs> the bushes oh. and, but this is available boys in the hood is available on hulu oh yes because when i i was like i might i might gotta get to this on friday is this available somewhere else oh hulu i was like excellent so glad you did that research after i paid for well it. i always tell you to search and you never do I have been known to, but I was I was in a time crunch this yes. week. Lo siento, lo siento, lo siento. Yeah, and that, yeah, that was a funeral, so lo, lo siento. Lo siento, lo siento, Well, okay. There's still so much more we could say, but we're going to wrap this one up. Yeah, nobody nobody wants to hear. Like, oh, there they go on again. There they go again. <laughs> oh, talking about their racial inequality. It's, it can be such downers. Oh, unbelievable. God. Jeez Louise. 
Here she goes again. The <laughs> black unemployment rate is the lowest it's ever been. What is there to complain about? <laughs> Oy, hey. Okay. Well, well, there you go, listeners. And thank you for listening. Thank you. And thank you for telling a friend. Thank you for telling a friend <laughs> to listen to the rant this week. Oh, wait till you hear them this week. Well, they're in rare form. <laughs> Bye. Bye.